Welcome everyone to the first Maple Debt Stack. So this is going to become a podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. So Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. But today we're going to host the, this is going to be the first that we host of these, which will be bi-weekly. So every two weeks. And the goal here is to provide a finger on the pulse of crypto credit markets. So in doing this, we want to inform and educate capital allocators, as well as other protocols on how we at Maple see the market. So there's a ton of podcasts out there. But so far, we haven't found any which are hosted by teams on the ground, underwriting and actually focusing on credit markets in crypto and liaising with users directly day in, day out. So Quinn and I are going to host this every two weeks. We'll cover lending market topics. Sometimes we'll bring on special guests to talk about capital markets in crypto. And today, as this is the first one, what we're going to do is cover the top news stories in crypto lending, then the capital markets update, the latest at Maple, and... Um, and then in future, perhaps we'll also take uh, questions from the audience as well. But with that, let's uh, let's take it away. So looking at the top news stories in crypto lending, uh, Quinn, starting with uh, with CFI, what have we been seeing? Yeah, so this one's a little uh, couple months old now uh, from earlier in the summer. But the, the Coinbase HUD 8 deal was was a pretty, I think, interesting and, and important one for, for the industry. It's the largest mm-hmm. loan issued probably since you know, early 2022 when some of the miners were getting yeah. other types of financing. Definitely for the whole of this year, wasn't it? And and so it was, what, $50 million deal taken in three tranches. And it looks like there's a component there that's funding an acquisition of, of US BTC. So it's, I mean, it's pretty pretty big deal, right? Like one year facility. What were they paying on this one though? Yeah, so it's priced at Fed funds rate plus 5%. So the upper bound is about 10 and a half at today's rates effective. And- mm-hmm. You know, it's it's very similar and kind of lends credence to what we're doing on the direct side with the over collateralized lending. You know, given a lot of these miners and uh, you mm-hmm. know businesses in the space that that hold maybe less BTC and, and are less profitable, you know, they're seeking finance against against these assets. So, good one to see the the credit markets thaw a bit and some some new debt capital flowing in, and then hopefully we can help put together a few more like it. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and um, not uh, not moving off M and A too quickly. Uh, there is, of course, the Fahrenheit debt transactions, which is the Celsius estate. And what we've got here is it seems like there is a loan book. We've got multiple lenders here who are crypto focused, who are bidding on this loan book, and who effectively want to want to take on the refinancing of it. Uh, but it's a pretty big book, isn't it? It's what four hundred and ten million so far, and and how much is the collateral backing that worth? Yeah, so it's the, like you said, four hundred ten million dollars in total loan value, stablecoin mm-hmm. loan value or dollar loan value, and it's backed by seven hundred sixty million dollars of digital asset collateral. So, as part of the the Fahrenheit Celsius, you know, restructuring this this loan book of twenty three thousand dollars, twenty three thousand outstanding loans from the mm-hmm. retail business stemming from a thousand dollars all the way up to the largest one that in the filing said was 14 million. So some high net worths in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the lenders are, are yeah. competing to refinance these. And who's, who's competing. We've got some, some pretty well-known figures in the space and, and some new ones. So you've got salt, arch, leaden and figure by the looks of it, all offering roughly kind of similar terms. Um, albeit some slight differences, but roughly where's the pricing shaking out? What is it? It's kind of, 11, 12 mark? Yep. Percent. So 
Yeah, duration one to two years. I think the the rates headlines stem from ten to twelve percent, and and some of them have one to two percent upfront administration fees. And so they're basically competing for this book of business. I I don't think all four hundred probably get gets refinanced, but probably a meaningful chunk. Uh, yeah, de- you know, depending when these loans were taken, and yeah. it's it's definitely an interesting because you know we're speaking with some of these these providers who are bidding and although we wouldn't be facing the consumers directly you know that's just you know we're institutional that's not part of our business you know we can provide the financing to allow them to to compete and and bid for these assets and and provide that usdc funding yeah 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 and and full full disclosure we 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 have a relationship with uh, at least one of these and um but we, we we do speak with them and I think it's interesting for us. I mean, our vision with Maple was never never to really be a consumer lender ourselves, but we wanted to be the kind of the wholesale finance that that powers them on the back end. And so we would love to take down a, a chunk of chunk of this or or help um, uh, help one of these guys uh, refinance some of these loans and build their own book, ultimately build build their business and help get to scale whilst we, you know, provide wholesale finance on the back end. And it was all over collateralized, isn't it? Like none of this stuff is under collateralized. So you're, you're looking at about what, 170 to 190% collateral. Yep. It's, it's high quality uh, exposures. And, and at those rates, it's, it's pretty attractive from a, from a lender's perspective. I think, you know, this just goes to show how big the lending mm-hmm. ecosystem was at one point and, and will be again, yeah. you know, this is part of the broader Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit case. You know, they have a still a couple hundred million dollar institutional loan book mm-hmm. of performing loans, you know, outstanding that that will get ported over to the new co. So there's, you know, there's a lot of activity there and, and these people over the coming years will, will need to be refinanced out and and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully that bodes well for, for the type of things we're doing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, let's uh, let's turn over from CFI and take a look at the DeFi, uh, DeFi market updates. So biggest one on the agenda so far has been MakerDAO Treasury's forum post. So Maker has been an absolute juggernaut in buying treasury bills. So over 2 billion since early 2022, most of this coming through Manitalis, um, who act as a ranger for the Clydesdale structure. And what what, what did we see in the forum post? What, what, what were people talking about? Steakhouse was was really the leader of, of the charge here, and, and obviously they've been very active in the maker community for a while, and really highlighting the benefits that tokenized T bills are bringing this activity on chain improves. You know whether that's higher yeah. transparency, the simpler accounting, less complexity, and, and better automation. So it, it, to me, it speaks towards the trends of growing transparency, utilization mm-hmm. of the, of the blockchain, and you know might have knock-on effects for some of their other allocations as well, just given, you know, they still have a number of these uh, allocations and arrangers that operate off-chain. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a real push to bring a lot of this stuff on-chain. Inst- effectively, instant visibility on the interest being earned, asset backing, uh, and also, also I guess, more fungibility and, and kind of um, structure and robustness for the actual tokenized assets held by... Uh, held by MakerDAO, which makes sense as you get larger. And I think also one component that's perhaps lost on people a little bit is diversification. I mean, once you're running a, a book in the billions of dollars, you, you probably want a healthy split so that if there's if something goes wrong, heaven forbid, in, in one of the silos that the others are protected and not cross-contaminated. Um, 
it's part of this, like there are, of course, a number of new providers in, uh, in tokenized T-bills, aren't there? I think, what are we looking at? About 365 mil at the moment. And I think that that's probably still undercounting it because it's not really counting things like the, um, the Franklin Templeton Benji, uh, uh, Benji token. Yeah, that's right. It's, and that's from basically zero, zero dollars in tokenized T-bills a year ago when, when rates were much lower. So mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's obviously a big push here. Tokenized treasury bills found product market fit in a in a you know crypto environment that has, has failed to mm-hmm. provide good risk adjusted yields elsewhere. You know, compound Ave are are still in the two percent range. So definitely I would expect over the next 12 months as as the sub DAOs become cemented, uh, most of makers allocation you know happens on chain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And as a little plug for uh, friends of ours, so it's the Steakhouse June dashboard that we are reading from for this, as well as RWA.xyz has a good dashboard on uh, on the tokenized RWAs. Before we move on from uh, from DeFi, worth um, worth noting uh, one of the other developments. So Goldfinch, who's one of our peers in the RWA lending space, had some credit events recently. Um, so they, of course, had. Uh, the $5 million Tugenda um, default, uh, but it looks like a bit of a, a positive development there, which which is great for the space in that it seems like there's a restructuring plan going ahead and um, ultimately they'll be able to get some recoveries there, which I think will, will either reduce the loss for the senior pool or you know in, ensure that so far the interest earned by that pool is able to cover the full amount of those losses, which I think, you know, positive development. We of course know that credit events happen in the space it's unavoidable throughout a cycle um and then the other event was what it was a seven million dollar credit event with um with the stratos pool yeah yeah that one was was the most recent update on the forum which another i'd say positive development for for folks in that pool being that warbler and, and goldfinch are going to be backing the losses that that third parties mm-hmm. will be taking so some positive um you know, remediation to both. And, you know, I don't think either mean anything negative long-term for RWAs on chain, but rather reinstate some of the the things people have noted, just transparency being key, underwriting and credit review processes being key. And and the funny thing is just having all this on chain brings it out in the open. And the, mm-hmm. the alternative being, you know, what we saw last year, CFI and, and, more of a or, black box. Yeah. Or you of probably course would have never even heard about it. Yeah, you, you don't know something's wrong until you hear about it, either at the time um, that they freeze withdrawals, so you don't hear it at the time the credit events happen, you hear it at the time you want your money back, or um, you don't hear about it at all and you find out months later when a regulator brings some kind of action, which which we, of course, saw earlier this year with uh, with one of the other CFI lenders. Um, but uh, so wrapping up on the DeFi side of things, let's look at... Let's just look at on-chain capital markets. So looking at lending volumes, interest rates, collateralization, uncollateralization levels, what are we seeing when it comes to lending volumes? Yeah, so RWA, they have the, the nice dashboard highlighting about 560 million in total active private credit loans on-chain today. And, and that is comprised of, of the RWA stuff, you know, Centrifuge Maker doing the digital asset lending volumes that, that we're doing. And, and really across the board, I think one of the things I was curious to dive in on that number is what percent are 
using token subsidies. A lot of it is is legacy or, or longer duration assets that that were put on the books, you know, one to two years ago. And so I think it's about it's very little. I think it's about ninety percent uh, of that TVL number probably is using token subsidies at this point, which is you know much lower than what it was in the past. But I think indicative of some trends and and becoming more sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, in other words, we're, we're starting to see that the, the book of loans on chain is relatively seasoned at this point, and it's kind of locked in a lot of token emission rewards that were happening. Newer loans that are coming online, um, whether it's tokenized T-bills or, or, um, or actually more of the private credit variety, typically don't have, like the newer, newer vintages typically don't have token emissions behind them, do they? Yeah, exactly. That's right. And and we're also seeing, you know, on that on that trend of the tokenized treasury bonds, we're seeing the stablecoin issuers starting to want to compete with with that market as well and, and the interest bearing mm-hmm. developments. There's been a couple of fundraisers like Mountain out of Bermuda, Athena out of Portugal, Midas out of Germany. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, that provides some interesting competition for for you know the existing stablecoin assets yeah. and and obviously yeah. a lot of regulatory things to sort out there, but but I think you know that continued rise will of, will continue to benefit the industry. Yeah, and on the interest rates uh, across so DeFi interest rates, we have the Dai savings rate, which has been around five percent, and this is of course derived from T bills on the underlying assets. Interest the interest on the T bills then being paid on on chain to to folks who are staking Dai. Um, but that had that rate came online in summer and it's had knock-on effects, hasn't it? What's um, what has it done to the, to the rest of the DeFi ecosystem? Yeah. Most of the year compound and Aave were, you know, right around the two to 3%, sometimes even a little less, Mm -hmm. just given the lack of demand across the ecosystem for, for leverage. And the DSR was most recently a pretty important development in in bringing those rates higher. And so we've seen, we've seen, this kind of knock-on effect of of if people can hold die and earn five percent, you know, via spark and, and the die savings rate, it's really increased the the cost of capital for USDC, USDT, and in the knock-on across the board. So overall, you know, cryptos had this interesting dynamic where in the past, you know, crypto markets demand for digital dollars really boom when traditional interest rates fall, and so mm-hmm. it, they've been completely inversely correlated. You see that, saw that in 2020, 2021. And then when the Fed and the traditional interest rates start rising, demand for crypto wanes and crypto interest rates actually fall. And so this is a, I'd say, more stabilizing force in, in keeping the two systems more in check and overall healthy. It might be difficult for some businesses that have relied on cheaper cost of capital in the ecosystem, but you know, it's been bound to happen. And, and I think it's positive to have you know, almost $500 million of new assets being these, these T-bills uh, running on blockchains. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, if we look at, so keep, keeping focus, keeping the lanes on interest rates, uh, secured, uh, secured or rather the over-collateralized rate, what are we seeing there from uh, both, I guess, the, the lender ask and, and borrow a bid? You know, we had the U.S. risk-free rates above 5% now. What are sophisticated lenders asking for when it comes to rates? With the with the risk free at five, it's it's you know pre- presents a pretty compelling uh, alternative that, that that didn't exist yeah. twelve eighteen months ago. So 
the, what we're seeing is just you know, operating on chain, despite loans being over collateralized and, and providing the protection of, of quality collateral, you know, keeping to the Bitcoin, the ETH, the stake ETH, lenders are still demanding three to 400 base points spread above that. And that's right, right in line with where our Maple Direct uh, secured lending pool is yielding in that eight to nine percent net. And speaking with other desks in the ecosystem, you know, some exchanges and OTC providers are, are undercutting that a bit on pricing where, where they want to incentivize trading activity and, mm-hmm. and win business in a, in a very competitive market with lower mm-hmm. volumes. But over the long run, I think, I think things stabilize in this sort of 400 basis point back of risk-free for the over-collateralized stuff. That's not even getting into the under-collateralized or riskier lens. Yeah, yeah. And as we look at uh, as we look at the under collateralized or uncollateralized lending, we're not really seeing much happen there in size, are we? It's um, whatever exists. It's pretty small. It's probably going to be from retail depositors or maybe ad hoc lending, like shareholder loans. Uh, but there's not doesn't seem like there's a ton of volume happening in the space. Is there any activity that we're actually seeing or we could point to? Yeah, Clearpool is uh, one of the. The remainder, remaining protocols on on chain that's providing liquidity. I think they have mm-hmm. about twenty five million in total lending volumes today. It's being lent anywhere from eight to ten percent, plus some Clearpool rewards, token rewards. So those rates, it's interesting. It's you know the bars on there tend to be hopefully on the higher quality side, but still, I think it, it is a representation of a little bit of the dilemma in crypto credit, which is. Many businesses in the ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. They, you have this capital that's on chain that people want to earn yield on, but a lot of the bars aren't profitable enough to pay 15%, which might be more in line with, with what mm-hmm. you know, comparable risk adjusted rate would be. So I would say we still need uh, more demand on the borrow side to really make rates yeah. as, as competitive as possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You you and I were talking just before about how the you know the high yield bond index is still paying around eleven percent uh, at the moment. But as we look, so as we look uh, to the future, um, I think if we see if we saw trading volumes pick up, that's kind of where a lot of the yield derives from, right? Trading mm-hmm. volumes on centralized exchanges by retail lead to profitability for the market makers, leads to a higher basis rate trade, and that ultimately kind of trickles through and provides the interest on the loans that are provided to these guys. Um, what are we seeing though, as far as one, one final call out is um, Bitcoin and Ethereum as your bearing assets holding up or not? Yeah. The, I would say another big supply demand imbalance there with, with the both Ethereum and Bitcoin being the largest, you know, digital assets on chain. So mm-hmm. huge, huge supply of folks, ideally looking for yield on their assets. And, and they also happen, particularly Bitcoin, tend to be the, the most dormantly or longer term held asset. And so people would be happy to earn a yield, but just not a lot of demand. So the market makers would be the segment to, to power that the most. You know, Maybe some miners looking to forward hedge production, but ultimately still, you know, we're seeing some deals go in the mid single digits. And to me, it doesn't feel like a great mm-hmm. risk risk return for if you're parting ways with with your Bitcoin. Um, maybe on a fully collateralized basis, I can understand if if you have that security protection, maybe collateralized by dollars or another digital asset. But but on, on an unsecured, it's it's a bit light, I would say. 
So yeah. I don't, I think, think those assets are just pretty volatile. Yeah. And do you think it's also perhaps people reaching for yield? Like we're in a bit of a sideways market. Uh, they're not getting the capital appreciation, expenses, inflation, opportunity cost in, in other parts of the market is kind of going up. And, uh, and so people are reaching for yield and they're kind of, you know, willing to take unsecured credit risk on it, I, I suppose. Yeah. At and least on Bitcoin and ETH. It could increase too as the staking rate comes down. So Ethereum staking rate's now below four, probably in 12 months it's below three. And, mm -hmm. you know, if activity on chain doesn't make that higher, we, we definitely yeah. could see people wanting to lend to, to start earning higher yield than that. Yeah, yeah. Makes so, sense. Yeah, I think that covers it on the on the capital markets and, and news side. And, you know, we want to make sure we left a little time to just touch on some of the updates we have on Maple. Um, maybe in the future, this will, this will include some special guests to hear about new things being built in this place. But yeah, I said, I wanted to, you know, talk about why, why we're really excited about Q4 and, and some of the positives mm -hmm. in, in Q3 that happen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Q3 for Maple, what did we see? So by the end of the quarter, TVL was up over 70 million. And this is up from 40 million at the end of Q2. And at the start of Q2, we were probably sitting at about 16 or 17 million. So we've more than more than 4X'd it since then. 61% quarter-on-quarter loan growth in underlying loans outstanding. And you can you can actually go and see that on the new dashboard that we built and put up on June. So if you go june.com forward slash maple hyphen finance, you'll be able to see that. We'll post a link in the uh, in the show notes. And then 90% quarter on quarter growth in uh, annual recurring revenue. So protocol revenues at about 450K. Um, and a lot of that is being driven, one, by the growth in um, the Maple Cash Management Pool, but more so by the growth in, that we saw in Accrue. So the Accrue tax, uh, which is effectively tax receivables um, advances or, or factoring, uh, that grew 60% in August from 10 to 16 million. And then Maple Direct, which was the new uh, direct lending line, which is over collateralized, got up and running and um, now has over 8 million loans outstanding there. So healthy growth there as well. Yeah. Onboarding and pipeline. Think, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, we'll touch on it with the onboarding stuff, but the, some of the interesting facts on, the, um, on where that TVL is coming from and, and withdrawals. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I think ultimately we had about 60% was new lenders coming through. So which means the the, the, the appetite is widening. And uh, we actually only had 4 million in net withdrawals for the quarter. So I think this, this validates the kind of the portfolio thesis that you want to have multiple different offerings on a platform because sometimes folks, while they're waiting for a new direct loan, will go into the cash management pool where they just want to get the T-bill exposure and vice versa if they want to go risk off maybe they come out of one of the direct lending pools or private credit pools and they go into a cash management pool so it's nice to have that diversification um because people aren't you know there's not a one size fits all for um for lending appetite here but directs off your pretty good start why don't you tell us about it yeah so we issued uh the first two loans out of the pool uh over the last few weeks we actually have the next one coming next week and yeah, we're, we're just looking to continue to capitalize on, on the momentum there. So two weeks ago, we did a $8 million USDC loan to a large crypto native institution collateralized against their high quality digital asset holdings. Deal was, was heavily oversubscribed from, from our lender network. And mm -hmm. we actually even had to pair back a few allocations to, 
to make sure it fit everybody in, but, but we'll be able to satisfy those, those allocations with the next one. Mm-hmm. And we had a pretty broad participation base. So 10 different lenders ranging from yield funds, some trading shops, some high net worths, and, and even a few market makers who, who we've worked with in the, in the past who are sitting on excess cash from their business that, that we're looking to deploy and, and earn yield. Which is, of course, one of the indicators of, of subdued trading volumes. Once we see those guys flip from lending on the platform to going back to wanting to borrow, it'll be a good indication that um, the trading volumes are back and profitability for market makers is back. Um, but this uh, this secured pool or, or a sec- secured over collateralized loans pretty unique in the DeFi space. What's what's happening there that kind of sets it apart from what else is out there? Yeah, it's it's really it boils down to you know, a lot of its structure and forms of legal agreement, documentation, that's that's all similar to traditional loans and, and lending agreements, enforceable in court, mm-hmm. security agent. But the Maple Smart Contract What's infrastructure. What's the major difference? Yeah, yeah exactly. Smart contracts. The on-chain. So, you know, we have the, the loan infrastructure on-chain and then the collateral yeah. is held at a qualified custodian. And so when a borrower posts that collateral, one of the reasons they get comfortable working with the Maple Direct pool is their collateral is held in unique segregated accounts at the qualified custodian, and it's prohibited from being re- rehypothecated, which is not the case in in most lending arrangements. And so, they're getting that surety of mind, knowing they're posting significant over collateral than than the actual loan proceeds they're receiving. Um, but everything's done transparently. Interest is paid on chain via the smart contracts, and and it creates a much more efficient environment to uh, to work and deploy capital. Yeah, and the rate's pretty competitive. Eight to nine percent net of all fees, with roughly two hundred percent plus collateralization. Uh, so you know, prime rate in TradFi is about eight, eight and a half, and so you're making that, albeit shorter term exposure, with uh, significant over collateralization, rather than reliance on kind of the, the credit worthiness of your counterparty. Though the credit worthiness is pretty good, like that's definitely factored in the underwrite here. Um, so what do we got next? What do we got coming through the pipeline next for Maple? Yep. You talked a bit about the other deal coming through. Yeah, the nearest term is going to be this this new deal out of the secured lending pool. So that'll be our third mm-hmm. borrower out of that, expecting it to close by, by the end of this month, hopefully next week. And yeah, now that we're one to two months post-launch, we're, we're also starting to see traffic increase around inbounds or in other financing verticals and opportunities, both within crypto, but but around RWA types of deals as well. So we expect to continue digging in there and, and hopefully should have some other new pool announcements or, or you know, loan deals available to the lender base shortly. And, and one of those that we're actually been working on for a bit now is the upcoming launch. Which is the Cicada pool, isn't it? So we've got a team of folks that we're pretty familiar with. So Sefton, Christine and Christian, the co-founders of Cicada, who will be working with Monetalis, uh, also a big name in the space. But these guys come from TradFi backgrounds. Um, Sefton, X Aberdeen, uh, Christine, previously working uh, in banking. Uh, a lot of so a lot of uh, institutional client coverage, and they're launching a pool that is going to be focused on relatively conservative allocations. So I think we'll have more information coming out about that over the over the coming weeks. But think of this as like treasuries plus. So asset backed um, asset backed securities 
um, treasuries and some other assets thrown into the mix, but relatively conservative. And um, we're pretty excited about that. And then what else do we have going on at Maple? We uh, Q3, we had the big launch of cash on Solana and we're now pushing what? 40 mil TVL in that product. Yeah, total is is right around 40, uh, continuing to increase week over week. And talking about that Solana launch for a second, we we basically, you know, we obviously were operating on Solana in the past, launched there originally in, in 2022 and facilitated now over 200 million in loans on Solana, mm-hmm. but but uh, had paused operations there for a bit until this launch. And so really from a cold start, we're up to mm-hmm. close to 8 million in, in the tokenized T-bills and, and onboarding a few more counterparties to to deposit there so that's been a big hit and we've been getting active you know in the in the solana community again and it's really fascinating mm-hmm. to see all the developments there i think sid you're going to be boots on the ground at be, uh, breakpoint yeah yeah speaking speaking on an rwa panel at breakpoint in amsterdam in the first week of november so i think it's november 3rd and you're right we we are seeing a lot of so the vcs we talk to are seeing a lot of deal activity happening on solana ecosystem ecosystem has remained uh, pretty healthy um, founders there are high conviction. And so we want to have this product available to support them for their treasuries. They want to continue managing um, on-chain stablecoin denominated treasuries on Solana. And so we, we want to provide a product there and hopefully um, hopefully evolve that uh, over time as the ecosystem continues to grow, but um, quite bullish on it. Yeah. And, and uh, I think the other thing just to call out on the, the cash management product is is the upgraded liquidity that will be rolling out and we think mm-hmm. is a is a big differentiating feature versus some of the other products in the space so maybe you and what, what are we doing there yeah yeah we're doing so q-based withdrawals so currently as with everything in uh in in crypto and DeFi, the ux is a little bit janky at the moment and you have to signal your intent to withdraw and then come back and actually withdraw what we're going to do with this q-based withdrawal system is you just say i want to withdraw how much you want to withdraw and then as soon as liquidity comes in it'll be transferred to your wallet. So you just see it drop in um, without having to come back and actually you know, execute that second transaction. So uh, nice improvement there for, uh, for liquidity, much easier, particularly if you're running a DAO or a multi-sig, you don't wanna have to arrange you know, five signatories from your DAO to, uh, to, to make that withdrawal. So um, pretty happy about that. Differentiation is key with, uh, you know, what are we up to? About 10 different treasury T-bill providers. So we've got to stand out. And what else are we going to have coming in the future? More w- more RWAs on the horizon? Yep. More RWAs probably. Uh, some more crypto native lending. More partnerships. We've, we've spent Q3 building a lot of different integration uh, pathways and, and some partnerships things. So more announcements on that front. And, and yeah, continue to try and follow these credit markets and, and continue to add financing to the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, on, on the other RWA front, like really what we're looking for is higher yield, shorter duration, US or European based assets, I think is where the, the lender demand is heading. And on the partnerships, who knows, maybe, maybe you could even see Maple launch on one of the uh, up and coming L2s these days. Uh, but folks will have to stay tuned for, uh, for the second episodes. I think it's a good uh, good place to uh, to wind up the uh, the first episode of the Maple Debt Stack. Uh, we will have a lot of uh, all the links in the show notes for folks, and we hope you can tune in again with us in in two weeks' time. And also, don't forget to send us some questions. All righty, thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody.